few months ago when Donna was uh, praying one Sunday, she prayed um, over the parts of the parable of the sower where Jesus talks about what chokes the word in our life. And, and that gave me the idea for Mark 4.19 to talk about these things with uh, you the next few weeks. What Jesus said was this, but the worries of this world, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for things come in and choke the word of God and make it unfruitful. So today, let's talk about worry. This is what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in uh, chapter uh, 6. And he said this. He said, so don't worry about uh, uh, what uh, about your life, what you should eat or what you should drink. For, and do not worry about your body, what you should wear. For is not life more important than food and drink? And is not the body more important than clothes? Consider. Consider the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or gather into barn, but your heavenly Father feeds them all. Are you not much more valuable than they? And which of you can add a single hour to his life by worrying? And don't worry about clothes, about what you should wear. Consider and think of the lilies of the field and how they grow. Uh, They do not labor. Or spin, And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed as one of these. And if this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, but tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, oh, you of little faith? And so, not, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today will bring enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. Many years ago, the founder of the Mayo Clinic made this observation. He said, I've never seen anyone die from overwork, but I have seen people die from worrying about work. Worrying is epidemic in our time, and it places a great stress on us, I believe, physically. Um, As you know, uh, David Reed and Clarence Bray and I were in Africa in the country of Burundi uh, for a couple weeks. And basically none of them have automobiles, less than 1% of the population. They walk to get places or the fortunate ones ride their bike and carry lumber or whatever they have to carry, uh, materials or goods to the next uh, location. Uh, There are no electric ovens. There are no microwaves. Everything is cooked over an open fire. The work and life is hard. And yet among them, I never saw a face of worry. And I think the three of us agreed that it is more than likely that the issues of coronary problems and the number of strokes in Burundi are much less than we have here in the United States because we worry, because we fret. And the Bible is so clear about this. In Psalm 37, it says, do not worry, it only leads to evil. Jesus says in the fourth chapter of Mark that the worries of this world choke out the word of God in your life. And make it unfruitful. And then in the Sermon on the Mount, three different times, he says in this passage, do not worry. 
The Bible is clear about that. But as we go forward, let me make a few observations. And uh, the first is this. I think it is very hard to have a life that is completely free of worry. I mean, we worry because we care. And I told them at the 830 service that I've got my cell phone with me this morning, uh, right next to me. And last night I slept with it next to my pillow because at any moment we were expecting a call that my mom would be hospitalized again. That is a concern. We can't live our life without worry. And to be worry-free does not mean you try to live without concern for others. Paul said this in, in his letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 11. He said, talks about all the struggles, and he says, And on top of that, I am burdened by all the pressures of, of what is happening in all of my churches. He's concerned. To say that we're uh, uh, not worrying does not mean we're not concerned. It also doesn't mean we're sitting back and doing nothing. Think about the birds of the air. They don't reap or sow, but they do have to eat what God puts in front of them. God does not directly put it in their beak. In Proverbs chapter 6, the um, Proverbs author says, Look at the ants, how organized and diligent they are as they work to gather the food that God has provided for them. So to not worry doesn't mean we don't do anything. And it also doesn't mean that Jesus intends that our life would be stress-free. Stress takes a high toll on our life, but there are some positive things about uh, stress in our life. One of the things about this, if you meet a person who has no struggles, more than likely they are not very empathetic toward other people. More than likely, whenever the day comes that they do have struggles, they won't endure. They have no sense about their own limitation. They've never learned about the strength and the grace of God. And they have unrealistic expectations about what life should be for them. There are some blessings that come when we struggle. And to say not to worry doesn't mean that God intends us to, to not have any stress in life. So what do we mean when uh, we hear Jesus' words, do not worry? I think Jesus is talking about excessive anxiety. Anxiety that is uh, basically undue. Uh, anxiety that is, is over the top and, and takes us away from matters that are more significant. You've probably heard the classic definition of worry, which is this. Worry is interest paid on borrowed trouble. You let something that hasn't happened yet and may not even happen come and impinge and you start paying on your life and you start paying on it today. Jesus knew, I'm sure, that it causes physical problems when we overworry. But he didn't really address that in the Sermon on the Mount. As I see it, Jesus found three basic problems with worry. The first one is this. Worrying is a time waster. Basically, it's a time waster. It takes our attention off things that are more significant. Uh, the fact of the matter is, a lot of the things that we worry about simply never happened. They just don't come. Winston Churchill, who went through a lot in World War II made this observation. He said, my biggest problems in life never happened. Perhaps he knew what Mark Twain had once said. Mark Twain said, the worst disasters of my life never really occurred. They both knew that we could imagine far worse than what really happens in our life. 99% of the stuff we worry about simply doesn't come about. And so Jesus knew it was a waste of time. To worry. He also knew that it betrayed a basic lack of trust and confidence in God. He said the pagans are the people that are worrying about gathering enough food and enough drink and hoarding it. They're the ones worried about the clothes. And he said, your heavenly father knows that you need these things. 
Jesus never intended us to be the ham, never intended for us to be the hamsters on the wheel that Ginger was talking about. And Ginger pointed out to the children that they are valuable to God, more valuable than birds of the air, are lilies of the field. And when we are excessively worried, we are denying that. The rabbis had, I think, a great observation about worry. They said, worry is self-humiliation and trust is dignity. When you worry, you give yourself over to something else. And you make yourself so much less than what God created you to be because you don't have confidence in who you are in God. Martin Luther had a great many things to do as he led the reformation of the church. And one of the things he did on a regular basis was debate important theological topics with his friend and adversary, Philip Melanchthon. Uh, one day they were supposed to discuss the governance of the universe, the governance of the universe. How does the universe work? And when Melanchthon showed up for the debate, Martin Luther said this. He said, I say we go fishing today and leave the universe to God. He had a confidence and a trust and a sense that God was there working. Stories told of a famous bishop a couple centuries ago worried uh, excessively over the plight of his churches. And one night when he couldn't sleep over his worry, he heard a voice that he, had, he assumed was the voice of God that said to him, why don't you go ahead and go to sleep? I'm going to be up all night anyway. Now, we can, uh, when we have confidence that we don't have to stay up and hold the world's troubles because God's going to stay up anyway and, and hold them for us, then I think it, it speaks uh, to our worry. So Jesus knew worry was a time waster. It showed a lack of confidence in who we are in God and lack of trust in God. And then, quite frankly, Jesus knew that worry takes our eye off the kingdom of God. It distracts us from the things that are most important in life, which are what is God doing in our world and what does God want us to do and what does God want us to do and be with the people in our life. And when we're worried, our attention is taking off those very significant things. Worry, quite frankly, is a distraction that you and I cannot afford trying to live the life that God has in mind for us. So that raises the question, what should we do about worry? What should we do about it? Well, I think if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, uh, I, I find at least um, a, a couple pieces of advice that are helpful uh, to me from Jesus. The first is this, when he says, seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, put your focus and your attention on God and the things of God. Now, he says, when you do that, everything else gets thrown in. You aim for God and the things of earth will just kind of roll in under it. But I've, I've found it helpful in two ways to focus more on the kingdom of God than on my troubles. Uh, the first thing that helps me is this, is it sort of gives me a reality check. Have you, have you ever heard the advice that when you're really concerned about something that you stop and ask yourself, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? And what if that worst thing happened? And I think one of the things about focusing on the kingdom of God is it enables me to stop and ask a similar question, which is, okay, if what I'm worried about happens, what effect will it have on God's eternal love for me and my place in the kingdom of heaven? Is it going to dislodge me from the plans for good and for eternity that God has? And the answer, quite honestly, is always no. There's nothing that can happen to me or that I fear that can happen that takes me out of the love of God and Jesus Christ. And when I focus on that, it sort of puts things in, in, in perspective. It kind of puts them in uh, their proper place. Uh, to focus on the kingdom of God gives us a very healthy, I think, perspective. 
Dallas Willard in a comment on the Sermon on the Mount said this. He said, when you look at Jesus' life, you see a person who believed that this universe was a safe place to be. Because he knew that no matter who was for him or who was against him, God was always there. And so he could walk freely and lovingly through this life, knowing that at the bottom, underneath him, was God. And so therefore, this life, with all of its troubles, was basically a safe place in which to be, to live, and to love. So focusing on the kingdom of God helps me get a perspective, a right a reality check that puts troubles in, in where they belong. Second thing is that when I'm busy about the kingdom of God, the other troubles and worries begin to fade and take sort of a second and third and fourth place in my consciousness and in my heart. As I mentioned, as the three of us were in Africa for a couple of weeks, we were very busy about trying to do what God wanted with the people that were there and very busy about letting them bless us and teach us what we needed to know as well. And we were so busy in our relationship with God and with them and with each other that even though our team lost the national championship game, though things were kind of coming unglued at my parents' house, all those things were happening. It just took its proper place, which was very, very low on the grand scale of things. As you are busy about kingdom things, other things don't loom quite so large. And if you are excessively concerned this day, then I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that something more important than God is going on in your life. And it just, we got to think, is there anything more important than God? And it helps us to to see that. So the first bit of advice is focus on the kingdom of God. And then Jesus is also helpful to me when he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Try to live your life today and keep your life in what some people call day-tight compartments. Don't let tomorrow leak into the day and don't let yesterday leak into day. Live today with today's challenges and opportunities. Uh, live it today and keep those there. All of us go to bed at night with a list of things that we could have done. Or a list of things that we wish we hadn't done. That list in your mind and heart needs to be torn up at the end of every day. Live this day. And Jesus is quite clear if you live this day, tomorrow then will take care of itself if you are doing what God calls you to do today. Give us, said Jesus in the Lord's Prayer, our daily bread. Not tomorrow's bread. Not next week's bread. Give us this day, and let's focus on this day and live this day. 2009 was a year in many ways that my family was glad to see pass. Started the year on New Year's Day with uh, illness of both of my parents and my brother. Some of you know my older brother died, and then uh, as things got worse, we moved my parents up here, and they both had hospitalizations and other issues. And, and on top of that, up until about the last week of December, we wondered if our church would really pay its bills and, and, and meet its obligations and opportunities financially. And those things stacked up. And I have to tell you that in previous years, I would have handled it by saying, I will sure be glad when January 1st comes. I will sure be glad when 2010 is here. 2009 stinks. And I would take that attitude, but not this past year. Basically, my attitude was, all right, there are things in front of me today, and all I can do is what's on my plate today. And I'll do the best I can today, and tomorrow I'll get to the stuff tomorrow. Because, friends, the fact of the matter is the calendar year changed, but all the, the challenges are still there. 
And if I was hoping for some magic new year to change things, I would be disappointed. Instead, what was helpful to me uh, was that God teaching me all you can do is what I put in front of you this day. And that's all that I expect of you. And that's where I've tried to live. I think about the birds of the air. And there's a wonderful image that John Veneer, a wonderful writer and, um, and, and uh, a guy that started like 350 homes for adults with uh, handicapping uh, conditions, um, has this beautiful picture where he says that we are like a bird held in God's hand. And one of the hands is very strong to support us, to hold us up no matter what. But the other hand is open, giving us the freedom to fly and to take off. And what I've found in that picture is confidence that God is underneath me, strengthening me, holding me in these, in these hours and this day. But the freedom I've learned is just to fly no further than when I can still see God. And quite frankly, if I fly into tomorrow or next week, I lose sight and perspective and vision of God. I've learned and am learning that I can't live worry-free, but I can try to live in the confidence of a God who holds me up and live this day to the best of my ability.